Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Fragments of Silicon, hereby claiming responsibility for the presence of video games and political cartoons. going to hurt you for that, Dalek. <laughs> I thought we went full Ben Carson right there. <laughs> Don't try. I'm like, it, it's a stupid thing that happened earlier today, and I'd rather not go on it. Right. <laughs> okay, moving on. Yeah. Right, so welcome to another installment of Fragments of Silicon. Um, I'm your host, Adam. Joining me in the studio today are Galix. Hello. <laughs> Okay. So is my mic muted? Ah. Uh, petty fan? Damn you, TDC. Uh, Ogre? I honestly thought Petty Fan would go for Damn You Skype, but that's just me. Uh, that's later. And joining us this week is Mac. Woo! Yeah! Okay. Uh, anyway, well, so let's get to the news. Um, Ogre, why don't you start us off this week? Oh, we creep ever closer to being done with Ocarina of Time. Mm. I was going to actually call it Sky... I was actually going to call it Skyward Sword there for a second, and I thought, no, wait, that's a different one. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's later. That, that's actually way earlier in the series, but that's just fine. Uh, I'm being a smartass. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Call the fucking presses. <laughs> Let's see. Uh... Well, I wouldn't say much more than that. Kind of just a slow week and everything. It happens. I mean, yeah, it happens. I was trying to think. I thought I had something else. Yeah. But then I didn't, so yeah. really, other than that, just doing that and mm-hmm. planning on further down the line, because that's what I do. Can't think of uh, too much from Naka's camp this week, either. It's like, you know, Seems like he's getting better with uh, Ravi Ribby. Although, yeah, I was going to say, he seems to have actually learned a thing. Well, he kind of he got forced into learning how the game actually works because he hit the wall I expected him to. I'm like, you know, if he's playing this bad, and his latest video, even he admitted, yeah, he was playing bad. You know, it, it's like, you know, fighting that boss forced him to get good. That's all right. He'll make a series about complaining about it and then backtrack on it later. He's... he's Not so subtle. Uh, yeah, that's actually happening. 
uh, Soaker. So, because... Oh, it, I was making a different reference to somebody else who's doing Ocarina of Time right now. I know you are, but I'm like, this is actually happening to Naka, because his latest video, he had a 10-minute, basically, apology or, you know, acknowledgement that he was, you know, kind of in the wrong there. Um, hang on. Uh, looks like we lost Teddy Fang. Uh, he's back. Hey, that'll be part of the news. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so before he drops again, Petty Fan, what, what's going on with you? Petty Fan? Dal here or stuff? He's probably cursing right now at his router. Dalek, uh, <laughs> you go. I do not have too much interesting news right now. Um, the comic that I ordered at the... Uh, Game store I go to finally came in today, so that's nice. Uh, uh, working on the game we were reviewing this week for the stream and for for the uh, show, and uh, that's pretty much it. I have a couple things I'm trying to decide whether I want to get, but I haven't made any decisions on that yet. Oh, and I think Pokemon Tournament comes out this Friday. If it doesn't, then Hyrule Warriors Legends does. Uh, One of those games. Uh, Hyrule Warriors, I think. Anyway, um, Petty Fan, are you back yet? Uh, well, uh, Petty... I think uh, he answered every question there. Yeah, oh, because it's now an old chat, because he disconnected from it and reconnected. Oh, son of a bitch. Uh, well, it's not usually this fast. It's not that fast. God damn. What? Right. Hmm. These baked ruffles are delicious. <laughs> oh, God. Didn't know I think I was... the crux of Petty Fan's news is that Skype, Skype, Gur, Gur, Skype, Skype, Expletive, Expletive, Skype, Gur, Skype, Expletive. Right. Um... Also, throwing of objects, Expletive. Oh, and the uh, Wi Fi router is crap, even though it's brand new, but. Hang on. <laughs> Oh, I'm back. Oh. Okay. Yay. You can play music, yes? Yes. Good. I didn't have to kill everything. Did you, uh, Yet. what did you do? <laughs> I just hopped off the call and hopped back in. Yeah. Okay. Live broadcasting, people. I, Woo! I tried to sum up your news as best I could, as in a series of grunts, Skype, and expletives. Yeah. Anyway, aside from Skype, what's going on with you this week, Betty? Um, well, I went over to go vote in the primary yesterday, and I seem to have lost my ID somewhere. I don't know if I lost it walking home or if I lost it here in the house. So that's that Betty fan. Now they're going to use you as as evidence of voter impersonation. I was going to say, I'm surprised you had a problem with it. I mean, you are white. Oh. <laughs> No, they well, no, I lost it. it's, just, it's just that he lost his ID afterwards. I, yeah. It, it was sarcasm. <laughs> Wait, it I, was, have it was... for, I have a line for sarcasm. Hmm. We're going to have a code. When I stab you in the ear, that means I'm being sarcastic. Got it? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was... Anyway. <laughs> joke, joke hit the ear like tin, folks. Seems like it. Well, Mac, I guess it's your turn. 
All righty. Well, you know, I always said that if we ever got a news segment, I'd talk about video gaming again. But unfortunately, I don't have any gaming news whatsoever. So uh, I can tell you <laughs> a little you bit. fail. I know, right? Well, <laughs> Not even is. Tales of related? I'm saddened. Okay, well, we haven't played Tales of Vesperia PS3 since December. Uh, we haven't... Um, what the hell else is we didn't play. Ta- we started playing Tales of Zillia two that lasted about a day. <laughs> so and then the notes came out. Yeah, no, actually, there's not really a problem with. Uh, well, okay, Alvin showed up, and then Jamie was angry. <laughs> she fucking hates that guy. Oh, yeah, I haven't played, played much. I haven't played much of the first one yet. So spoiler I alert. I just, I yeah, spoiler alert. He's the traitor character. Oh, fun. I kind of figured that, but I was hoping you... <laughs> you never trust <laughs> anyone named Alvin. <laughs> right, especially when he's the quote-unquote older guy in the group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Old uh, people equal bad. I oh, and the best-case scenario would be that well, he would start singing the Witch Doctor song at you. Okay, and to add insult to injury, he's also always macking on the 12-year-old girl. <laughs> Excuse me, I go vomit now. <laughs> I think I threw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> well, we don't know their culture. Maybe that's totally uh, like acceptable and stuff, but still. Kind of and hate. maybe he'd vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> okay, let's drop the politics. This is a game show. <laughs> Not that kind of game show. <laughs> I was about to Wayne say Brady. I was about to say, or you can win. Or you can risk your life to win valuable cash and prizes. I guess you haven't picked up any new games either. No, I you know I am always on the lookout for stuff, but I really haven't got anything. And in fact, speaking of that joke I just made there, I installed 10.5 on my uh, on my G4 and totally forgot that Weekend Warrior won't play anymore under 10.5. So, yep, that's it. I'm bereft of gaming news. Well, I've been up to my a hole in making the movie, so. There hasn't really been much to say about gaming, unfortunately. So it goes, I suppose. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, I guess it's my turn. Mm. Um, give a personal stuff for the next show. So, uh, mm. you know, in show news, uh, well, ironically enough, we were in the news. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard there was some catching fire there. <laughs> yeah, so a couple of days ago, our interview with, Alex, uh, with uh, last week's guest, uh, happened to hit uh, Nintendo everything and subsequently a whole bunch of other Nintendo sites. And, you know, it, I knew this was going to happen because I'm like, I remember he, you know, Matt talked about how the Wii U version of Hype Jump wasn't going to have any online co-op. And I'm like, I was, you know, I was looking at that site on Monday and I just saw like the Hype Jumps news right there. I'm like, and it turns out somebody had listened to this interview and tipped them off. It wasn't me, or it wasn't anyone on staff. Yeah. So, so you know, that was a bit of a PR um, fiasco for them. You know, they, they had to release a whole bunch of other information uh, clarifying the situation and mentioning how tough it was to not have that feature at launch and all that stuff. You know, I've been told that the situation has been diffused for the time being. But there's still salt. Yeah. Uh, well, of course there is. You know, I, I told them. You know, I understand their anger because you know, at, at the end of the day, the Wii U version is going to launch with uh, with a pretty important feature that's not going to be there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and the PC version has this. You know, it's like that's you know that's never good. But I also understand it. You know, he he may have misspoke about it, like with the whole party system. You know, but you know whatever he, he they. They disseminated the information to all the outlets that uh, carried the news, or at least the major ones. I'm not sure if he could fully stop the whole news snowball, because I, I've seen this happen uh, before. You know, when information from our show hits, like especially like Nintendo-specific websites. Um, you know, the major ones like Go Nintendo or Nintendo Everything, Nintendo Enthusiast, what have you, will post the original story and they'll, you know, source us. And then, like, the minor sites will pick up that news and source, like, Nintendo Everything. And, you know, mm-hmm. just on and on it goes. It's just, it's a story that can't be fully contained, but at least, you know, the air's been cut, as, you know, as far as I'm told. And, you know, nobody's mad at us or anything. To make that clear. And then three weeks later, they like post up the redaction on everything, but the internet's still, hey, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's just, you know, you know, just because, you know, our listenership may be X amount of people doesn't mean nobody's listening. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, so, uh, outside of that, uh, we did an interview with Ghost Lights yesterday. Uh, uh, that seemed to go rather well. Mike, although Ross is uh, currently cringing about it because he hates the sound of his own voice. <laughs> and uh, well, it's like I saw <laughs> I saw his Twitter feed t- this morning. He's like, "Ah, oh, shit! My coworkers are listening to the podcast I recorded to yesterday." Mike, like, hey, they're listening. Works for me. Oi, Ross, you sound like a bloody twit on this thing. <laughs> oh, he's, he's very, very British. <laughs> I know. I love oh, the oh, but yeah, we, uh, you know, it, always a good time when we have Ross. We've talked about um, Way of the Samurai 3 and Cubix HD. Yeah, we'll be reviewing Way of the Samurai 3 in a couple weeks. Uh, this week we are reviewing Darkest Dungeon. And, um,. Finally, we have no guests this week because I explained this yesterday, but for those who haven't listened to that episode, um, we were going to have Natsume on the program. They were going to send us their translator again. And, well, this is a thing that's actually happened before. He was going to be on our show a previous time, and he has to go in for mouth surgery because he has bad teeth. You know, it's like, you know, I, I just... An oral history. Yeah, uh, well, I'm like, I, uh, you know, it's like root canals are no joke, or so I'm told. I've never had one myself, and I hope to never have one. But I'm like, so with that in mind, and they say, you know, they're shorthanded, because, uh, that's shorthanded because of GDC, so they ha- that interview has been delayed to mid-May. And in its place, once again, because it's GDC week, and everyone I know is like, at GDC... Um, we have a double topic this week. So with that in mind, uh, we'll start the proceedings with Splatoon. All right, uh, Petty Fan, Galax, this is all you. Uh, (laughs) So Splatoon was not a very uh, likely game, uh, or it didn't seem so at the beginning, because Nintendo is not exactly uh, 
profligate with uh, new intellectual uh, properties. I would take uh, every kind of issue with that. Now, what, what's okay? What Splatoon was specifically was the first new character-driven IP since Pikmin. But as far as I probably, not, I probably phrased that a little bit badly. Sorry. Well, it's, you're not the first person to say that. It's like you know, Splatoon is not the first new Nintendo IP in like a decade or whatever. That ignores shit like oh, I don't know, Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, the Wii games, uh, smaller stuff like Pushmo, uh, maybe not Boxboy, but NES Remix. I, I could go on. Like, uh, you know, that wasn't even the first new IP they launched last year. That was Project Steam. Now, it's just, you know, that, that usually came from their subsidiaries or, you know, their uh, p- development partners or what have you. Like, this, is a, this is a new first-party IP from EAD or... Now, ETD, whatever. Anyway, not only was it odd that it was new, but also that it's like a multiplayer-oriented competitive Mm. shooter game is also something that Nintendo generally has not had a ton of... uh, They certainly haven't made many, and they don't even have that many published on most of their recent systems, well, partially because they're popular on other things. Um, you can jump in whenever, by the way, Betty fan. Um, well, basically, nobody was expecting something kind of like Halo or Call of Duty, but for kids on the Wii U. Yeah. So, and then, I guess it's kind of an odd choice that, uh, or some people would have thought it would be an odd choice that the uh, characters of these anthropomorphic squid things, and that the whole thing basically looks like it was made by Nickelodeon in the 90s. Um, <laughs> but the end result actually was uh, pretty um, well t- pretty well uh, put together, and it seems to have done well enough. It's the best since what? Or no, that was the other thing. It's still, it's done pretty well, and it's one it's of the better. The best, it sold like it, 4 million units. Yeah, it's the best-selling new IP of the generation, and that's actually... Mm-hmm pretty tall statement considering it's a game that's exclusive to the Wii U. Mm-hmm. A system that's sold, what, 7 million consoles? Uh, about 10. Mm. Yeah. It, maybe 12 at this point. It's still, it, it's pretty fucking low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but still, about almost half your user base has a copy of Splatoon is not bad. Yeah, especially since it was not a pack-in. Mm-hmm. Well, it is now. Well, it later became one, yeah. Yeah, but it did pretty well even before that. Um, and there are actually a surprising number of ways that this game did things that are pretty uh, unconventional, and it did them pretty well. Like, while it is a shooter where you can shoot your opponents, um, it's all very well integrated with the uh, terrain inking mechanic, because... When you're shooting your opponents, they explode into piles of ink, and that you like the ink you normally spread. And the spreading ink works as cover and traversal powers, as well as just being part of how you score the game. And the different kinds of weapons that you can use are all surprisingly well balanced for filling different roles, like being able to. Uh, Basically, it's kind of like multi-class system. Sort of, yeah. 
because each weapon has different uh, attributes and then sub weapons that go with them. But mm-hmm. um, sorry, <clears throat> my brain's a little bit frazzled today. Like this, the uh, with the uh, rollers, you are really good at covering ground, but it's but much you harder to the roller. Yeah, it's much. And you also get kind of a movement penalty when you're rolling on most of them. Yeah, but it's harder to use the rollers offensively unless you're really good at hiding and popping up and flinging ink with them. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the uh, sniper, uh, the chargers are easier to use from a distance and are mostly defensive in usage, but they're terrible at actually covering terrain. And then there are a wide variety of the basic gun type. Well, defensive in a way that they're mainly made for taking out opponents, not covering area. Yeah, and they and you can't really we'll move be very pushing well, forward a with a sniper rifle. Basically. Yeah, but you do have to be really aware of what's going on while you, you can't just camp because there are ways to get around to either be snuck up yeah. on. I, th- I personally think chargers are the hardest to use. Yeah, yeah. same. Um, also, in terms of the way that it was released. There was content in the game that was unlocked over time, and then more game, more content was actually added uh, by in free updates. Which it's not even this DLC because on this DLC usually implies that you're paying for it to unlock it later. But the phased-in introduction of stuff is something that is very rarely handled well, and Splatoon mm-hmm. did a really good job of it because for people who started playing the game from the beginning, it seemed like you kind of were playing with very basic stuff, the most basic stages and some of the more, the simpler weapons. And then both as you improve in in level up and get access to more weapons, and then as more stuff is phased in over time, you get more complicated stages, weapons that are better in more corner case situations. Um... Also, the surprisingly, the online uh, coding is pretty solid for this. Uh, some people complain oh, yeah. about the lack of, uh, but I think those people are silly <laughs> because I'm yeah. sorry, I, I don't want old Billy getting a earful of racial slurs. Yeah, you know? and with with all the third party support for that kind of thing there is today, like if you have a team that you're playing with, you could Skype with your team or something. In random, you're just way too likely to get yelled at by other people. And I think it works pretty well. And also, Um, if you play for any amount of time, you'll quickly learn what your role is because you can't swap um, weapons in the middle of a map. Yeah. So once you you pick your weapon, you pretty much can figure out what your role is and what you have to do. Yeah, it could maybe use one or two more uh, call-outs for the... uh, the uh, shout mechanism in the game, because yeah. right now there's only basically come here and yay, or as they call it, come on and booyah. It would yeah. be nice to maybe have a back to the base or advance or something. Like something like what Battlefield 2142 had, where you just hit a button, there was just like a whole wheel of shouts you could use. Yeah, even if there were just like four, because you use the control pad for those. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's only top and bottom. If there were also left, left and right ones, yeah, um, or if you could like um, pick what ones you wanted to put in there. Yeah, uh, the map variety is also pretty interesting. How do what do you have any favorite maps that you remember from when you were playing? 
Oh, um, the warehouse one I liked a lot. The indoor one I think they used for the beta. Yeah, the walleye warehouse. It's a, that's a that's a very compact state. And what weapons did you usually use? I either used the roller or I think it was the splatomatic. Yeah, those are pretty good on that stage. Um, I usually like the bigger stages that have more ways around things. Like, of the two stages from the beta, I really preferred Salt Spray Rig because there are lots of different ways to get from one part of the stage to the other instead of pretty much everything getting concentrated in the central area. Mm. Well, I like stuff getting concentrated in the central area just because I can just sit back and ambush somebody. Yeah, I, I prefer to ambush by, like, sneaking around a corner and be like approaching from an unexpected angle or getting behind well, me, enemy lines and inking their terrain and making them come get me. Well, me, I'm the type of person who's waiting at a choke point to destroy your entire team. Yeah, I think I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> but yeah, different it's something kinds of I picked up from Halo, so... Yeah, but the different kinds of weapons are all good on different kinds of maps, and in normal play, there are only two maps available at a time, and I think it's actually designed so that you can basically have certain weapons that are better for that set of maps. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why when they do Splatfest, there are three stages instead of two, so that it's less uh, biased, or so that there's, like, you'll have two stages that are good for a certain kind of weapon, but then the third one isn't as good for that kind of weapon. Mm -hmm. um, did you have the Amiibos for Splatoon when you did that? No, I did not. When I was playing it, they were still like $40 online each. If they weren't, yeah, I didn't have the re-release yet. Yeah, now they're pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, they're not critical, but they actually are play with the uh, single-player mode primarily. Uh, in single-player right. mode, which actually is surprisingly fun, it's a good... gets you interested in... lets you see lots of different situations in the game although it's different than multiplayer because you can pretty much only use one kind of weapon for most of it. Yeah. Um, actually, that's what the Amiibos do. The Amiibos unlock challenges where you replay stages from the uh, main single-player campaign with either a roller or a charger, or for the, the Squid Amiibo, which was originally only available in the three-pack, had two different kinds of things. One... It had the easiest missions and the hardest missions, because the easiest missions are the ones where your basic squid form is replaced with the uh, giant invincible squid form that's usually a special weapon. Kraken. Yeah. And the other one is limited ink, which... This is a For game that's normally... Yeah. This is a game where normally your psychology is towards covering as much terrain as possible. And when you only have, like, the more two or three... You cover the fact faster you can move about. Yeah, and when you only have, like, three so, tanks... I don't think we talked about that. Huh? I don't think we talked about, um, like, gameplay itself. I mentioned it briefly, that, when, that when, you're cover, when you're covering the terrain in ink in order to score, it also, you can swim through that ink. And it also is how you get up and down cliffs a lot of the time. Yeah. Is by inking the uh, wall, which isn't worth any points, but it can let you get to really good vantage points on some maps. And so basically, the um, limited ink challenge, unless you know your route really well, it's going to be a nightmare. 
Yeah, it's it's tricky because of because yeah, and just it has requires you to take a completely different approach to the level. Like sometimes you'll have to either be a really good shot or just decide to try to get pie enemies without having to shoot them. Um, um, I think the the social integration of Splatoon is also really interesting and good. Uh, there's a way to make Miiverse posts from inside the game, and then the that shows the up as graffiti, both in the uh, main map, in the uh, rather in the main hub, and during battles. And yes, Nintendo vets the stuff, so you won't be getting dick butts on the walls of the matches. Yeah, there was a lot of SpongeBob, not a lot of like actual obscenity, so. Although the SpongeBob slowed down a bit, and the, there's all kinds of meme stuff, and but it's fun to oh, be yeah. able to just look around and see that, and be able to put it in, enter it from within the game just by taking a few seconds instead of having to like exit the game and make a Meverse post and go back. And also the uh, the Splatfests are also a great way to get people to come out to play the game because they're always a topic that someone has some kind of opinion on. Whether it's mm-hmm. a just a casual, oh, I my first Pokemon was Pokemon Red, or I like Pokemon Red better, or like such fun fun foundational uh, decisions as are you a cat person or a dog person? That's for life. <laughs> I was also on Team Cat. However, I do not have strong opinions about whether it's more fun to roast hot dogs or roast marshmallows. Um. Yeah, and the single player mode, uh, it's kind of interesting because you're, most of it is fairly different because you're fighting the equivalent of, like, drone enemies. But there are, like, a couple of stages that are different kinds where either you're fighting a bunch of octolings, which are basically enemies that have the same skill sets as you, although they usually have the same weapon and the uh, same bomb which, ironically, when you unlock the uh, Octoshot, it does not have that set up. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the Octoling, it's kind of interesting. The, the actual background and story of, and the setting of the game is kind of, it's not important, but it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I like... Basically, it's post-apocalyptic. Yeah, sea life has evolved to humanoid forms, but there's still a... Uh, struggle for resources and stuff and the Octolings have been stealing the power supply of Encopolis because they need it for their own to power their own stuff. Mm -hmm. And the final boss is a lot of fun too, actually. It's a whole big stage where you have to fight. Basically, it's it's a really good example of a final exam boss Mm -hmm. where they kind of throw a bunch of different things at you that you have learned to do gradually. Um, also, I noticed as they were coming through, especially in the later maps that they released, they started being much more experimental and in including some of the things from single-player mode. Like, uh, they never actually got to sponges, but stages with... Uh, the last stage they produced has uh, devices where you spray ink at them and it makes things move. One of the stages has conveyor belts and stuff. 
like I think the reason why they didn't really do sponges and multiplayer is because that would just be a pain because somebody could just you know troll your entire team. Yeah, the sponges are because they grow with one color ink and shrink with the other color ink. It would be basically really easy to drop people probably because it would sh- shrink back down when it was hit with the color of ink that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, do both colors make it grow? You know, it's I, kind I of imagine insane. it would be like on a, on a, spe- on a spectrum, like from neutral, either color would make it grow. But when it was on one side, hitting it with the other color would make it shrink. Mm-hmm. And then grow. But I, I don't know. That's just my idea for it, and I can see why that would be hard to implement. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where to go next. There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about. Well, how about the platform service? The, uh, the, the whole DLC for a year thing. Oh yeah, the, that that was one of the better things. Mm. I was kind of going the the way that they did keep coming out with new stuff gradually, and it made it certainly made me keep coming back. I still go back to play whenever there's a Splatfest. There's one this weekend actually. Uh, the uh, North American one this weekend is. Would you rather build a snowman or a sandcastle? Which I'm going to be on Team Snowman for. Ooh. Sorry, I, I can already see the Frozen references now, even though I don't have the game at the moment. <laughs> Come on, that was straight up a Frozen reference. Yeah, I have not checked the uh, I have not checked the Meverse, but I am sure that there are plenty of Do you want to build a snowman posts? But yeah, they kept uh, in addition to the Splatfest that they've kept even after they the the year is up. They were really good about making updates and news and stuff for the first whole year, and that was it. Really, was good for engagement because there was always you never knew exactly what was going to come out next. Yeah, like there are some games that were supposed to be big hits, and then the developers just stopped updating them like six months after release. Mhm. And actually, I was surprised because after they announced that Splatoon was now content complete. Uh, the part of that announcement, or shortly after that, they announced that there are still going to be new weapons in the game. I mean, there are not going to be any new uh, stats. Like, each weapon is going to be an existing base weapon, but there are already in the game several... Like, each weapon has a, has a branded version that comes with different uh, sub-weapon and special weapon, and they're apparently going to reduce, produce more of those. So mm-hmm. there's actually more left than I thought. I kind of wish they would put more clothes in the game because there are a few color combinations that don't exist that I would like to try. I personally well, would like to have dyeable clothes. Yeah, that would be nice. Just like dye. Take yeah. them different. Anything? Different. Yeah. Make them different colors without changing the uh, design or the yeah ability. Well, like. I assume. By default, your clothes, whatever is colored, it changes what your color you are on the map, except for um, Splatfest. No. But there are a few things that are set 
colors. Usually when it has a color in the name of it, that piece of clothing doesn't change no matter what co- what color your ink is. Mm. But yeah, like being able to change that color would be nice. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I understand that colorblind mode is locks it to yellow or locks it to blue and orange because very few people are blue-orange colorblind compared to the other kinds. But I kind of wish you could set it as whatever color you wanted permanently. Well, and also, um, most of the colors that they pick are opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah, they they usually are very good about picking contrasting colors. Uh, sometimes there'll be like one really blue-green and one really yellow-green. I've seen that sometimes, mm-hmm. I think. And sometimes they do like pink and orange. But yeah, it's semi-random. Uh, and there is definitely possible room for a sequel because there are obviously you could always have more more different stages and more different gear and clothing. Did you ever pay much attention to the uh abilities your clothing had? Um I kind of did. But I like if I didn't give the ability I really wanted on one of them, but all the rest of them were fine. I didn't really worry about it. Yeah, paying attention to the main ability on some of them is nice because sometimes it's something that you can only get that way. Like, I I really try to use boots that have the thing that let you move through ink without taking as much damage or slowing down as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then, I mean, you still have the downside if you show up on the enemy's map, but... It, it at least doesn't hamper your mobility as much. Um, well, like, you need to cross an ink stream, you're good. Yeah. And I guess the way that the secondary abilities on each thing are random and are unlocked by leveling up is kind of... If you want to grind for perfect equipment in this game, it's pretty hard. Because each brand yeah. has things that it's biased towards and that only certain examples exist. And you need uh, super sneeze fails to uh, re-roll your abilities randomly. Or yeah, to and when you re-roll, it re-rolls yeah. everything. Yeah, and if you have like two things, get two things that you wanted, and then the third one is something completely useless, uh, you're probably going to lose the two perfect ones before you get the third one. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the super sneeze snails, you can buy them with money, with in-game money which you gain money by basically by your score in the match you get as money. Yeah. So it's not like it's a real-life money thing. But yeah, originally the plan was that mainly you'd be using, get, winning Super Sea Snails through uh, Splatfest, but then you'd uh, be able to buy them if you, if you ran out or something later on. But the game was so big that even before the first Splatfest, people were buying sea snails and re-rolling stuff and then just like getting a few free bonus ones every Splatfest. Like, hell, when I I sent the game back, I had had like 20 sea snails. Only 20? Oh, right, because you never even... You never had too much time to play play, uh, Splatfest, did you? Yeah. So mostly you just got like the two or four for being on the winning or losing team. Yeah. Like I play occasion a little bit, but you know I didn't. I only got like king once. 
Yeah, I have over a hundred currently sitting on my thing. I'm trying to figure out what the perfect thing to use them on would be. Mostly, I spend more on adding slots than on re-rolling. Yeah, that, that's really all I ever found a use for them is adding new slots. I kind of wish the Splatfest T-shirt that you have to wear for every Splatfest didn't have always the same ability. Mm-hmm. But it is statistically the same same equipment every time, and they just give it a different skin for every Splatfest. Yeah. The character designs for this show, for this game, were uh, really kind of interesting. I mean, they kind of fit the Nintendo cartoony feel, and like I said, they look like they were made by Nickelodeon in the 90s. But the, uh, mm-hmm. the variances in the... All of the Inklings look basically the same because it's easier. It's easiest that way. You can pick your eye color and skin color. Well, and to be fair... Random based on what the actual they... squids in the wild don't look that different from each other, at least when you compare it to humans. So it kind of makes sense. Probably, yeah. And then there are other like the shopkeepers in the game are all anthropomorphized, different things, such as a horseshoe crab or a sea urchin or a sea anemone. Or a shrimp. And then there's the cats. The ten thousand year old cat. Uh, oh, <laughs> he looks like he is your new god. It's funny because yeah, you you see in the uh, the story things you unlock in single player mode that he was apparently before human society collapsed put in a suspended animation machine and has just been around since then. And I'm shocked he hasn't won the rage. Well, there aren't many actual fish, and the uh, clownfish stays hidden in the sea anemone's hair, so. It's kind of interesting also, apparently, the originally it was designed with the uh, female character design. The female inkling was the original one, and they added the male as a kind of, well, I guess... Might as well. It might be nice to let people play as a male too if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm mostly tapped on this, unless something. Well, uh, had you guys got anything else or I'll, any questions? Well, I'll. I know how to end this segment. What would you like to see for a sequel slash? Do you think this game could be done on uh, you know, a portable system? Not necessarily the 3DS, but you know, a Splatoon, say, NX handheld. I think it could work. Mm-hmm. I think you to be honest, it depends. Oh, sorry. I was going to say it depends as long as they give it dual analog sticks. Then sure, why not? This game actually is the only do at least with the. Uh, are we on some kind ahead, of delay? Because we keep doing that. All right, Teddy, I Teddy, might be lagging. Yeah. Teddy Van, you go, then uh, Galaxy you go. I was going to say the only issue I would have with a um, handheld version of Splatoon. This is a mobile version doesn't need that, then yeah, we lost it will be fine. Yeah, we lost you there for a second. 
What did you get? Any of it? Not really, no. <laughs> he only we got, really well, I our... think that, but then that would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the bookend with no books. <laughs> the the issue I have with, with um, handheld Splatoon would be currently it needs to be always online. If they, they fix that, it would be fine and added a bigger single player. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Um, I have a slight issue. Did this game actually integrates the touch screen on the Wii U gamepad pretty well? It's a map of the stage you're playing, and you can use it to pretty much, without taking a break, jump to a different jump to your allies position or the home position and it's also used for targeting a couple of the special weapons so you'd have to figure a way around that well that's something that could actually be done on the new 3ds mm-hmm. uh, yeah. i'd say the yeah. biggest obstacle getting the game on like the 3ds is processing power yeah but i don't know if mm-hmm. the nx handheld if whatever form that takes is going to have two screens because yeah. a big part of it is how you can use it without pausing to check the map and see where it hasn't been painted yet or check the map and jump to somewhere without having to press Or you don't have to somewhere. push like a button to bring up an overlay. Right, that would be trickier. However, I do think there's definitely room for a sequel because a lot of people wanted from the very beginning a little bit more character customization, like the ability to change your inklings is... Uh, hairstyles or pants because your inklings are always wearing bike shorts. Um, <clears throat> and they did; they had a good reason for that originally, that they wanted the, the inklings' appearance to be iconic, and they said maybe if they made more games they would increase the variation, but they really wanted it to be... There were two designs. There's inkling boy and inkling girl. Hmm. Um, and there are certainly... I can think of several different ideas for stages that I think would be cool that implement things that are in the single-player mode that weren't in there. Uh, there is no versus mode stage that uses the ink ropes, which I can understand why sort of it falls into the same thing as the sponge, but that would be cool to implement somehow, even if it was only on the area that the other team can't get to normally. Mm-hmm. Um and they could always have different ideas for weapons. They introduced two new classes of weapons that are sloshers, which are kind of related to the weird shooters that you can only... There's only really the nozzle noses that you could only... They're basically semi-automatic instead of automatic. They shoot three things when you pull the trigger once instead of... But then only every time you pull the trigger. Uh, that's the a sloshers are basically the closest thing we'll get to a shotgun in this game. Yeah. And the um, the Gatling, the Splatlings are pretty much modified chargers. But yeah, they're mm-hmm. obviously like toting around a minigun that that could use a little more elaboration. Oh, you know what we never talked about? We never talked about the different battle types for ranked modes because there are other types of battles aside from uh, just terrain coverage. Make it quick. Well, basically, there's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Splat Zone Capital is sort of Oh, yeah. Where you've got certain one or two zones of the map, and you're scored based on how long you can keep more than half of that in your color. And it's mm-hmm. a countdown. Um, 
tower control, uh, tower defense or tower control is actually not what you'd probably think of for that because you're actually, the tower moves and you basically have to ride it back and forth and try to get it as close as possible to the other team's base. And my personal favorite is Rainmaker because in, in Rainmaker you have, there's, it's more like capture the flag except for you're trying to get it to the opponent team's base instead of back to your own. And instead of just being a flag, it's a really powerful but slow-firing weapon. Do you have a favorite uh, versus mode, Betty Fan, or did you not play ranked much? No, true, but whenever I was on it, never really came up that much. Ah. Ranked mode is much better, because after a certain point in the game, uh, after you get to level 20, you start leveling up differently, because you're not unlocking new things, you're just gaining experience and getting uh, a couple of special, mostly cosmetic prizes, although some of them are pretty useful equipment. Um, but yeah, that uh, at that point, it's much easier to gain rank points in ranked mode than it is to in uh, just regular versus mode. All right. I think that'll about do it for Splatoon. Uh, Petty Pain. Sorry, it was a little bit choppy, but uh, well, it, well, that's because Petty Pain's connection's a bit mm-hmm. choppy to, uh, today. Yeah, well, I, yeah. There's a lot to talk about, but uh, yeah, we got to move on. Yes. All right, uh, Petty Pain. If you can play us to the next segment. <laughs> I'm going to wow. apologize to any listeners about <laughs> that. Right. Oh. Oh, that. Okay. That was. Uh, that was. That was technically kind of music. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, Petty will work on that uh, over the course of the next half hour, or we're going to get equally scratchy um, outro music. But. <laughs> I also heard the air letting out of somebody's tires right there. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Uh, uh, fortunately, this is on a uh, light show, so I care less. Anyway, mm-hmm. so the second part of our program is going to be talking about the Universal Windows platform. And I guess I guess we should start by defining what exactly the Universal Windows platform is. So, oh, man. The Universal Windows platform. Yeah. Oh, boy. Or the Universal Windows apps. You might have heard this in the news recently, but this is basically Microsoft's latest attempt at unification and parity and all that bullshit. This is See, not- what they want is for all of your Xboxes and all of your PC games to all work the same way and for them to be, or the games to work the same way and for them to be in charge of it. That's kind of the basics, but it's a bit more than that because you're leaving out... It's The Universal Window app is supposed to work across all devices. That's not just the Xbox One, not just the PC, but uh, the Surface tablets, um, phones, uh, window, Windows phones. You know, it's, it's in the name. It's, suppo- it's supposed to be an application, not necessarily just games here, but, you know, um, you know say... 
uh, the Hulu app for Xbox One or... Oh, yeah. They, yeah, basically they also want you to use the same process to open Call of Duty and uh, Microsoft Word. Yeah. It, it's like... And this is, not, this is hardly the first time they tried to force this idea down our throats. Uh, you know, it's like... Um, you know, for example, Windows 8 was pretty much designed with this idea in mind. Mm. You know, it's like... And everyone fucking hated it. You know, it's like, you know, the whole Metro... Um, interface was something that worked well with touch devices, yes. but working on a uh, desktop or, you know, on a console, it was other shit. You know, it, it, it's like, and, you know, this isn't the, the first time that Microsoft has, you know, is trying to brute force its ideology onto PC gaming. Oh, but, no. Remember when Games for Windows Live was a thing? Oh, God. Yeah, it's like... have. Have you guys actually seen this now? Uh, this is tangentially related, but if you have Windows 7 or Windows 8, mm-hmm. on a repeated basis, Windows 10 will try to trick you and force its way into it. Yeah, uh, yeah it sets it as a default, uh, as, a, as a, what is it, a recommended upgrade, so you need, so basically unless you specifically tell it not to, it will do that next time you shut off. Right, and it's just doing it now. Now it's not even asking you for permission. It pops up, it's there. It's installing, and guess what? You're fucked. No, you can still have not do it, but what you have to you have to like literally open Windows Update, click one thing to show all available updates instead of just right. the update to Windows 10, and, and then unclick that one and click any other actual updates you want. This is one reason why I don't turn on my old desktop too often because that's still a Windows 7 device and I kind of like having Windows 7 device around, even if it is, like, the computer's about six, seven years old now. Like yep. it's, I have 7 and I've been maintaining it on 7 without too much difficulty. You know, my, my laptop here is Windows 10, but, you know, it's like... I've, I've embraced the madness. I mean, my all-in-one sitting on the desk here, the Acer is, uh, is Windows 10, my gaming machine is Windows 10, my laptop is Windows 10. I'd put Windows 10 on my tablet PC, but it has a <laughs> bootleg copy of Windows 8 on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't, I don't hate I thought, Windows 10 or anything, but I could do without the forced upgrade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I've got anyway. both right now, and I'm not sure when I get my next computer, but, you know, my next computer will probably Windows 10. Like, not sure when I'm going to get another desktop because I just don't use desktops these days. But, right. yeah. And for listeners of the show, we we actually had a guest on not too long ago who's uh, working in this ecosystem. Uh, if you recall our interview with um, Throwback Entertainment at the beginning of the month, um, they're working on universal window apps. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, if you want to hear more about the technical aspects of that, I recommend going and listening to that interview because you know we actually found a developer who's. I'm not sure what the word here is to use, but they're actually jump they're actually jumping in on the whole universal Windows app, and you know that's kind of one of the things that's that's going against the universal window apps. You know, it, it's like this is being inter- developers not being happy about it. Well, it's like who the hell is going to use this question, and that gets into the concern because remember. Microsoft has decided that they're going to make the Windows 10 store a focus of the platform. And 
the concern here is, and what everyone sees is, you know, Microsoft's trying to force people to use the Windows Store to download, the, say, Rise of the Tomb Raider, you know, or any one of their first-party games. And, you know, everyone's worried that... Uh, Halo, whatever the next one is, it's probably going to be a universal Windows app. Yeah, well, it's like all Xbox One games are pretty much going to be window, uh, universal window apps from now on. Uh, you know, it's like, in fact, like from what some rumors and scuttlebutt's been saying, this is actually the first part of something much larger, a much bigger shift that's happening at Microsoft. Microsoft goes through um, ideas and shifts all the time. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that, you know, from what I understand, it, it's something that really killed off Lionhead last week. Uh, you know, it's like they were working on Fable Legends, which was the um, brainchild of a previous administration, and they just decided, you know, they were kind of done with, uh, with pushing games to service as much as they were, and Fable Legends just kind of died, along with Lionhead. Yeah. And this is definitely them kind of trying to ape what they saw Apple doing with the uh with the uh, app with the uh what what you call it app store. Yeah. Yeah. And how that and how Apple also frankly kind of monopolizes their own ecosystem and people are only basically okay with it because Apple is pretty much their own thing. Whereas Microsoft has kind of come to encompass everything else except for Linux, which is Yeah, cuz like a few years ago, it, it, that... Apple added um, ICE App Store support to the I/O to the um, Mac devices. Yeah, it's not just that; it's uh, you know, it's because the PC is an open platform. You know, mm-hmm. it's been an open platform since oh, I don't know, the beginning. And any attempts to try and wall that off are going to be met with fierce, fierce resistance. I mean, and Microsoft does, you know, um, maybe they understand it in certain aspects, but I'm like, this is still the same company that once said, hey, we're going to charge for online multiplayer on the PC. And we all stood there and laughed. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's like that idea lasted, I don't know, a hot minute before they dropped it, you know. Like, yeah, games for Windows Live stuck around for much longer, but, like, the, the hey, you're going to pay for multiplayer. <laughs> no, that is something that is never, ever going to happen on the PC. No. Yeah, unless you're and, playing and you'll an notice, MMO. And you'll notice that, frankly, as far as being a closed system goes, gaming on Apple devices, uh, aside from, like, small mobile-type games, is not a huge thing. Yeah. yeah, spoiler warning, as far as gaming performance goes, Macs can't compete with PCs. Anyway. They just uh, can't. Yeah, and, well, another issue the Windows Store is facing is, who the fuck's going to use this thing? You know, mm-hmm. because the Windows Store is goddamn awful. Always has been. And I'm like, Also, there's Steam. Yeah, it's like there's Steam, there's GOG, there's the Humble Store, there's a lot of places you can get your games from. And Microsoft withholding, like, Microsoft has some games on Steam, and, you know, if they are going to withhold those games from that platform, that's their deal. It's like EA with Origin. You know, mm-hmm. there's some old stuff from EA on Steam, but, you know, pretty much everything new that they release is on their own uh, DDS. 
you know, that's it for view. It's more concerning is the, uh, you know, the, uh, is DirectX 12 and, you know, Microsoft basically trying to brute force developers to the Windows Store by, by leveraging their uh, status as the, you know, the guys who make Windows. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that kind of, like, the Windows Store being a thing would be an issue even if a lot of the times we got a game on it, there weren't, you know, manifestly problems with it. Like the UWA version of Rise of the Tomb Raider has some frame rate issues because of the way that it does DirectX 12, apparently. Yeah, and I'm like, well, it, uh, you know, Rise of the Tomb Raider on UWA it has, you know, lacking features, uh, lacking um, some... I'm trying to think... I admit I don't know this word too well. Inter- interoperability. Interoperability. Yeah, interoperability. Um, uh, it's like uh, forced um, windowed mode. I'm like, I, I know that that's that- the only thing I'm okay with because I don't like full screen things, but I understand that a lot of people do and it ain't worth it. Yeah, I'm like, that affects performance. The, probably the biggest one is modding restrictions. Well, modding restrictions, but also part of the interoperability thing is apparently with universal Windows apps, you can't use fraps or a ton of other, like, things that people use to see performance things that does overlays on their programs. It's not... Or record. Yeah, it's not... Well, like, yeah, fraps is a recording device, and there are lots of, like, overlay things that basically a normal EXE file that opens up into a bunch of folders and stuff is... It's like a machine that you can go in. It's like a PC. It's like a machine that you can go in. If you know what you're doing, you can move stuff around and change stuff or add stuff, and you can add stuff to it to record things or to, like, self-diagnostic stuff. Uh, whereas the Universal Windows app is a black box that you cannot access the inside of. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably, And modding is not just, you know, adding stuff or changing stuff. It's also fixing stuff. You know, for oh, yeah. For example, Tales of Symphonia, I believe it was. Yeah, Tales of Symphonia um, and uh, Tales of Hysteria. Like, uh, famed uh, modder Durante made a fix for Tales of Hysteria that makes it run at 60 FPS on the PC. You know? uh, and he's done a number of these uh, 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 mods for games that weren't ported very well to the PC. Probably the most famous is Dark Souls. It's like if you know anything about Dark Souls on the PC, you know who Durante is and why his um, patch is so important. And with on, you- on an older and sort of more gradual level, um, an, an article that it was on this that I read had, had a comment along the lines of, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is one of the best first-person RPGs on the PC. After being worked on tirelessly by modders for a long time because the, the original release was glitched to fuck. Right, I think the the dev team couldn't work on it, you know, and you know there's concerns about you know UWA really being the next game for Windows Live, you know, annoying, obtrusive, and you know it's it, it's shitty DRM that has fucked some games like um, Bulletstorm comes to mind, you know, Bulletstorm still has games for Windows Live in it, and it, it's a pain in the ass to play. Fallout 3, I don't think I can access my DLC I got with the Game of the Year edition because I can't get um, yeah. win- games for Windows Live on my Windows 10 machine. 
Yeah, because you know, I'm not too worried about UWA taking over the world or anything like that. Because it, it's time to do that is long past. If well, it's, 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 it's more like what's the fallout going to be for when this fails? Yeah, it, it, it's because Microsoft has tried this shit time and again, and I'm like, um, when you have even a whiff of Microsoft trying its monopolistic practices, everybody fucking freaks out and goes on the warpath. I mean. You'll note that Games for Windows Live isn't a thing anymore. Hell, um, let's go with the Xbox One. Remember when it was going to be basically a uh, cable set-top box? <laughs> like, and everybody fucking revolted? And hell, probably doomed the Xbox One uh, right mm-hmm. then and there? It's like, and Microsoft basically had to reverse on every fucking policy they were planning. Meanwhile, but, they made it rain for Sony. Yeah, it's like, so do you see that, you know, Microsoft isn't very competent at this shit, but they can still be pretty brutal when it comes to programs and games. Because, you know, we're, you know, like, now it's not as bad as Game for Windows Live because, you know, let's say Rise of the Tomb Raider. Rise of the Tomb Raider on Steam doesn't have the Universal Window app in it. It's still Win32. Uh, for the record, Win32 is the normal app that um, pretty much every PC game for about two decades have been using. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. and you know, this, and the switch from Win32 to UWA has its own technical problems that you know we won't get into here. You know, and it's like, you know, and I get the idea behind the Universal Windows app. You know, it's that convenience factor. You know, it's like, let's say you buy, you know, our friends at Throwback Entertainment's Wet Eater game on Windows Phone. You're going to be able to play that game on, you know, that device on the Surface, on on an Xbox One, on a PC with very little problems. And you pro- you're probably going to be able to transfer your saves because this is going to be using the cloud. You know, this system has its merits, but it's all in all kind of a bad idea. Yeah, because well, here's the thing: different platforms behave differently, and you know, it's speculated the real reason Microsoft's pushing um, UWP for its um, Xbox One games is because they might get out of the console business, or they might make it more like a PC which I don't really get the point of, but, that you know, it's basically, you know, Microsoft is going to turn the Xbox brand into a service, and, you know, it, it, you know, it's no longer, like, the console is the most important thing. Yeah, they were talking about something about how they would gradually upgrade the hardware of the Xbox at some point instead of just releasing all new ones. Right, and there's a term for that, and we call that, you know, a PC. I'm like, yes. it, it's like, it, well, and if they go that route, well... And yes, on one hand, that does allow you to make eventually make better games with it, and theoretically all the old ones will still be compatible, but and, and it also pay, makes old pe- people with the older ones have to upgrade and hence, to the newer games. Well, and hence why you see the transition to Windows 10 and, um, uh, you know, the Universal Windows apps. So, you know, they can keep compatibility, you know, and also so they can, you know, um, 
maybe phase out the the actual Xbox hardware and, and you know have others tackle that. You know, it, it it's kind of hard to say what the end game for UWP is because you know it's you know it was just introduced like two three weeks ago. I mean, it's been in the planning stages for ages, but you know it got announced like two weeks ago that you know they were uh, unifying their system. And it took about two seconds afterwards for everyone to lose their shit. Mm -hmm. And it's not without merit. Microsoft's track record here is pretty terrible. And, you know, but I'm like, this is also why, um, you know, Gabe Newell, you know, some years ago, started the whole Steam Machines initiative just in case you know, Microsoft actually was working towards a walled garden, you know, their ecosystem wouldn't be smashed by Microsoft's, you know, doing the, uh, they have a specific term, embrace and extinguish uh, tactic. Yeah, it was embrace something and extinguish. Yeah. Uh, But the point is basically that they get into a new field, make it so the new field is a really cool Accessible thing to do, and then they squeeze everyone out of the new out of that field. So we don't call it search and destroy it. anymore. We call it find and murder the shit out of them. It's pretty much yeah. Because we want to make it clear to everyone what we're gonna fucking do to them. <laughs> pretty much, and yeah, you know. But the thing of it is, you know, people are not going to lie down for it either. I mean, you know, you've had um, like epics. Uh, CEO uh, Tim Sweeney come out against it. And I'll note, Epic Games is a uh, very close Microsoft ally. They're the ones who made the Gears of War franchise. I- I'm not sure if my, you know, um, Epic is working as closely with Microsoft these days, but it's still, you know, like I-, I haven't heard anyone in the development co- community say UWP is a good thing and we should get it on board. You know, Except for, well, the people we interviewed a couple weeks ago who are actually doing UWP stuff. They said, there's probably going to be a few developers who get on board on this platform, but I'm like, it's hard to see that many people willingly go with UWP. uh, Or just like UWP alone. Like, they might make a Windows Store version of this game and a Steam game, you know, like um, Rise of the Tomb Raider. And I'll note, you can have UWP on uh, Steam. You know, you can have the, the actual files there. It's just, you know, people don't want to deal with that. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of the state of things as they are now. And I'm like, I can't say it's uh, impossible to predict. I, I think this is going to be yet another failed Microsoft initiative. You know, mm-hmm. usually when people push back this much, Microsoft fails. Yeah. Or they weaken their project to this, such an extent that they might as well have failed. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, it's especially because, you know, they're trying to force people to use the Windows 10 store. And I'm like, nobody uses the Windows 10 store. You know, even if you try to brute force them, they're still not going to use the Windows 10 store because, well, you know, Steam is still very viable. No matter the what Windows 10 store is probably harder to get on <laughs> than Steam or GOG or something. 
Yeah, you're probably not wrong about that. But um, final thoughts about this topic. Um, I think it would have been interesting if they were to pull something like this out before Steam opened up its walled garden. Well, they kind of did try that with Games for Windows Live, but, you know, you'll note how... In, and I'll note the Games for Windows Live, uh, Games for Windows Live initiative actually did provide something really important. It established the Xbox 360 controller as the PC controller. You know, mm-hmm. that unification and consistency does have some merits. It's just, you know, the drawbacks vastly outweigh the merits, usually. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep an eye on this and see what happens uh, as Microsoft uh, evolves it or devolves it, uh, as the case may be. So that'll about do it for this week uh, on Fragments. Uh, Mac, what do we have coming up on uh, MSP? All right. Coming up on MSP, we're going to have Fred Wood and Mike from the Bandcast on the program. Uh, They have a rather interesting podcast. I haven't listened to a lot of episodes of it, but... uh, they're kind of uh, they kind of run the gamut. They talk about anime, video games, the whole nine yards. So it's going to be pretty neat. And uh, we'll also be talking extensively about uh, the latest updates in the Starship Moonhawk movie. All right, and uh, let's see uh, the uh, the fragments of Silicon schedule uh, will be uh, this Sunday. We'll be reviewing Darkest Dungeon. It's a review we've uh, been planning to do for about two months now, but you know games just kept getting in the way. And next week, we, do, um, we won't be having a Tuesday interview until April 5th, so uh, guys can sleep in on Tuesdays for the next two weeks. <laughs> you know, uh, let's see, uh, next Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, next Wednesday. We're tired of being a reasonable adult and waking up before the crack of noon. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, all, I, all I can say to you guys with that is get fucking jobs. <laughs> I have I have two afternoons. One yeah. this show, the other one's recording with Naka. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is our job in a lot of cases. And it's I, a joke. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, so but you next, get off the lawn, old man. Right. Anyway, next Wednesday we will be having uh, Josh from Crescent Moon Games back on the program. Uh, I think this is like his third or fourth time on the show. You know, he's the guy who does a whole bunch of um, mobile games. Now, and we'll be talking about uh, all of that and um, the impending release of Deer God, uh, the Deer God on the Wii U. Because um, I saw a trailer for that <clears throat> just the other day, and it looks like it's coming soon. Uh, anyway, um, until, um, well, a couple minutes from now, if you're following us in real time, I wish you good gaming. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.